The lie you believe, that they have cleverly led you to believe, Agent Mulder, is that there is intelligent life other than our own, and that we have had contact with these life forms. So you're saying this has all been orchestrated? A hoax. Which you've been used to perpetuate. You come by this knowledge how? Working for the DOD. Watching a military industrial complex that operated unbridled and unchecked during the Cold War. The lies are so deep, the only way to cover them is to create something even more incredible. What would you do if you thought you had bona fide evidence that extraterrestrials were here on the Earth? You had film, you had photographs, you had electronic intercepts. This is the situation that military contractor Paul Benowitz found himself in in the 1980s. And he went to the U.S. Air Force, to his local military base. Fortunately for him, doing so plunged him into the shadowy world of intelligence, counterintelligence, and set him down a path that would tear the American UFO community apart. The story of Paul Benowitz and Project Beta it's a story that raises questions about who we can trust when it comes to UFOs. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Welcome back. I'm your host, Dane. My primary sources for today's episode are the book and documentary by the name Mirage Men, An Adventure into Paranoia, Espionage, Psychological Warfare, and UFOs, by British documentarian Mark Pilkington. Paul Benowitz, born in 1927, was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, working towards his Ph.D. in physics in 1969 when he started Thunder Scientific, a small company that manufactured specialized temperature and humidity instruments. He was described by those who knew him as an electronic genius and soon found himself producing equipment for high-profile clients, such as NASA and the U.S. Air Force. He was so successful that he quit his studies altogether, gave up on his Ph.D., and instead basically spent his life as a military contractor uh, working, living and working just across the street from Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. Benowitz in the 70s and 80s is described as a very likable guy. In addition to being a small business technologist, he was also a licensed pilot who was capable of uh, acrobatics. So he was a stunt pilot by basically self-trained stunt pilot. Uh, he was also an accomplished guitarist, and he was very comfortable moving in paramilitary circles. 
deeply patriotic man who flew the American flag every morning, got along with many of his neighbors, also connected to the U.S. military, working at Kirtland Air Force Base. Now, Benowitz had one small side interest that made him a little bit odd. He was deeply intrigued by UFOs and the possibility of extraterrestrials visiting the Earth. The late 1970s, his attention had been gripped by a strange phenomenon. Ranchers all over the American Southwest were reporting their prized cattle dead, killed overnight, with specific organs meticulously removed. And the cattle were often found located in places that were physically inaccessible, such as over ravines or rivers, suggesting that they'd actually been airlifted in the middle of the night. To make matters even weirder, ranchers and law enforcement officers began reporting nocturnal encounters with silent black helicopters in areas where cattle mutilations were prevalent. This, the so-called cattle mutilation phenomena, emerged in the 1970s, has been a consistent source of intrigue among Americans interested in UFOs. Now, Paul Benowitz was very interested in this, and for a time in the 70s, investigating cattle mutilations was kind of like his only hobby. He spent almost all of his time at the business, but Benowitz would collaborate with other UFO enthusiasts and even local law enforcement to investigate the cattle mutilation phenomena. As a confident and successful businessman who ran in military circles, Benowitz had no compunctions about going directly to Kirtland Air Force Base when he finally felt he had accumulated sufficient evidence to show that there was something for real taking place in the skies around Albuquerque. In late 1979, he telephoned the base and made a report about a possible security threat. It wasn't long before Benowitz was introduced to Air Force Intelligence Officer Rick Doty. After visiting Benowitz's lab, looking at some of the photos he'd taken, and doing some background checks, Doty invited Benowitz to the base to give a presentation. At the presentation, there were dozens of military officers gathered as Benowitz showed photographs he'd taken with a telephoto lens showing multicolored craft moving across the southwestern sky. He also discussed his interception of radio signals using custom-built equipment. He warned the assembled crowd he felt the situation was serious because these mysterious craft he was tracking seemed to be focused on the nearby Manzano Weapons Storage Complex, which was the largest underground repository of nuclear weapons components in the Western world at that time. As Benowitz spoke, various members of the assembled crowd stood up and walked out. But at the end of the presentation, Benowitz found himself talking to a small crowd of Air Force intelligence, national security agents, and the base's top brass. When he finished, the base commander rose, walked up to Benowitz, and shook his hand, saying simply, I believe you've got something. Benowitz would eventually receive a $75,000 grant from the National Security Agency to continue his research into UFOs and he would be assigned Air Force Intelligence Officer Rick Doty as a point man for his work. Having a well-received presentation, having a permanent liaison with the U.S. Air Force, and receiving a grant from the National Security Agency really made Benowitz feel like his investigation of UFOs wasn't a side hobby to sort of keep halfway in the closet, you know, because of the way people might respond to, but rather made him feel like he was doing something that was really important as important as his main job, manufacturing scientific equipment for the U.S. military. For a time, Benowitz and Agent Doty became an investigative team, 
They followed up on rumors that the High Mesa beneath Dolce, New Mexico, contained an underground alien base. They would actually fly in Benowitz's plane together, taking photographs of debris they saw on the ground. And together, they both attest, even to this day, that they saw some amazing things, like multicolored saucers popping up out of the desert. To them, proof of an underground alien base. Bedowitz also had a contact inside New Mexican Highway Patrol, a man down in Dolce he would travel around with on the ground, trying to find some of the locations that he and Doty had photographed from the sky, and together they would find places where there were pipes coming out of the ground and where they heard strange hums, suggestive of machinery and underground equipment. As the 80s moved along, and Benowitz's research progressed, things began to get weirder when Agent Doty put Benowitz in contact with a UFO expert named Bill Moore. Moore and Benowitz began to come to the conclusion they were uncovering evidence of large-scale alien infiltration of the United States, ultimately aimed at the purpose of the subversion and conquest of our planet. Unbeknownst to Benowitz, however, Moore himself was actually working for U.S. intelligence. He had been recruited in 1979 after he introduced the American public to the Roswell conspiracy. That is the idea that an alien saucer really crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in the late 1940s and had been covered up by the Air Force. The intelligence agents handling Moore had told him they were really impressed by his research. They wanted him to be the man to help them break the reality of aliens to the American people. But they needed a quid pro quo. The plan was that they would feed more alien secrets, and more would report back about the state of UFO research among America's civilians. And eventually, they would send more to ingratiate himself with Benowitz and work alongside Agent Doty. So this story involves three men. I think it's important to keep them straight in your head. Benowitz is the electronics whiz and military subcontractor who came to the U.S. military with what he believed was evidence of aliens buzzing their bases. Rick Doty, he's an Air Force intelligence agent, and he's handling Benowitz. And Bill Moore, he's a UFO researcher who believes himself to have been recruited by some secret intelligence agency to help get the truth of aliens out to the American people. Now, much of the wilder material that Benowitz received about aliens would come to him from the U.S. intelligence community through Moore. Moore, the UFO guy, now he would go to Kirtland Air Force Base and he would meet with different people on his own. Air Force intelligence would ask, have you seen this? And pass him mysterious documents that appeared to be internal U.S. government memos and clippings from secret reports. These documents would refer obliquely to secret programs like Project Aquarius and Operation Beta. On at least one occasion, Moore would have the opportunity to check out a document that had passed to him by an intelligence handler. He would find when he went to verify some of the facts that it referred to, that was riddled with falsehoods. He then would go back to his handlers and say, what's going on here? This was a bunch of bullshit. And they said, congratulations, you passed the test. We wanted to see if we could trust you. Other documents that Rick Doty would pass to Moore appeared to be confirmation that secretive insiders in the military and intelligence community were privately watching Benowitz's work on UFOs from afar. Documents would often contain copies of photographs Benowitz had taken, but not shared with anybody. In one case, Benowitz looked at a document and said, Aha! 
That's where they went. Then explained to Moore, he had taken some photographs of a flying saucer previously that year. He had sent them to be developed, and the film had gone missing for months. Then, finding it there in a government document, along with commentary and speculation about what it might be, validated to him that he was on the track of something very important. Now, as Bill Moore's relationship as this go-between, this trusted, independent UFO expert, right, who's between the uh, intelligence community and Benowitz, as that relationship progressed, Moore began to become more and more suspicious about whether he was being taken advantage of. At one point, the Air Force asked Moore to bring another bunch of documents to Benowitz, and something went wrong. They accidentally gave him two different versions of the same document. Two versions said noticeably different things. When Moore confronted his handlers, again, this is a second confrontation now, he was told, well, we had to sanitize the documents before letting you have them and hand them over to Benowitz. So there was just some kind of mix-up. One of these is the sanitized document. That's the one you're supposed to show to Benowitz. The other one is the original that you're not supposed to show him. At this point, Moore understood he was being asked to lie. Nevertheless, he took the documents to Benowitz anyway. When Benowitz became excited, he made some effort to calm the man down, saying, you know, don't get too thrilled just yet. Definitely don't show anybody this. Keep this to yourself, and let's keep doing the research on our own. Unfortunately, Benowitz was not keeping things to himself. The situation was actually deteriorating. He was already beginning to write letters to a national UFO group, demanding they take action to alert the American public to what he believed was a growing alien menace. He was increasingly certain that there were aliens who were recruiting an army of mind-controlled humans. Where did Benowitz get this very strange idea, right? The mind-controlling aliens were infiltrating the United States. Benowitz had made contact with a big name in UFO allergy. That would be Alan Hynek. Hynek is an astronomer. He was an astronomer professor and point man in the Air Force's official investigation into UFOs, Project Blue Book. Now, unbeknownst to Benowitz, Alan Hynek was collecting $5,000 a year from the intelligence community to be a consultant. And he says he wasn't really doing anything during that time. But then they came to him and said, we're going to give you this computer, and we need you hand this computer over to Paul Benowitz and somebody in the UFOlogy community, whether it was Hynek we don't know, but somebody gave Benowitz the distinct impression that this computer had been altered by aliens themselves. Hooking the computer up to his own custom-made electronic eavesdropping equipment was what enabled Benowitz to begin a process of back-and-forth communication. And it was through long nights of communicating with the extraterrestrials and also receiving video footage from them that he became convinced that their intentions were malevolent, and that they believed he was the only human they could trust to help them carry out the invasion. But Benowitz, as an American patriot, was not about to cooperate with these aliens. He sent letter after letter to Kirtland Air Force Base, warning them about the worsening crisis. He also sent letters to his senators, and even President Reagan. He sent letters to so many people that various other intelligence agencies started to get involved. The CIA came to check him out at one point in the 80s. There's evidence that the NSA actually set up shop across the street from his home laboratory. There's even a report 
uncorroborated, Senator Schmidt of New Mexico, he was so disturbed by one of the letters he got from Paul Benowitz, who was still at this time a reputable military contractor and electronics genius, this guy, Senator Schmidt, actually showed up at Kirtland Air Force Base unannounced, shouting that he needed to be let in, and they needed to tell him what was going on in there. Things were getting weirder at Benowitz's place, too. Um, on one visit, Bill Moore, the UFO guy, he was startled to see a pale orange or yellow ball, about the size of a softball, hovering in the corner. The glowing orb also had a pale blue halo and wobbled ever so slightly. And Bill Moore said to Benowitz, what is that? And Benowitz said, oh, you see them too? I haven't been able to figure out what they are, but they keep showing up. In 1981, Benowitz released a long document equivalent to a small book that summarized the research he had been doing called Project Beta. It detailed the alien transmissions, the communications he'd had, his evidence that there were underground alien bases. And uh, it was a general warning to the UFO community got him established as a big name, but also a controversial figure. Many people in the UFO community thought Benowitz was too far out there, but they also noticed he was very good at getting raw data. He had a lot of technical skills, and he always seemed to be floating around in the company of the U.S. intelligence community, which made them suspect that even if he was a little out there, he might be onto something. As time progressed, Benowitz's missives became darker. He began writing members of the UFO community complaining the U.S. government had mysteriously switched sides on him. Instead of inviting him to conferences, now they were stalking him and spying on him. Moore says, quote, I watched Paul become systematically more emotionally unstable as he tried to assimilate what was happening to him. He had guns and knives all over the house. He installed extra locks on his doors, and he swore that they, meaning the aliens, were coming through his walls at night and injecting him with hideous chemicals, which would knock him out for long periods of time. As proof that he was being harassed and assaulted by aliens, Benowitz showed his friends his arm. His right arm had distinct marks suggestive of having been injected. At this point, both Bill Moore and Air Force Agent Doty began to tell Benowitz they thought he should take some time off from the whole alien conspiracy plot. But Benowitz was in it too deep. He had already turned over the day-to-day -day operations of his business to his two adult sons. He was spending all of his time on UFOs. And then in 1988, Benowitz barricaded himself in the house with sandbags and a shotgun, insisting that his wife had been taken over by aliens. The family, convinced that his sanity and health were in immediate danger, took him to the Anna Kaseman Mental Health Facility in Albuquerque, just a couple miles up the road. They checked him in for nervous exhaustion. After spending some time under psychiatric care, Benowitz would return to normal life, but his role in the study of UFOs would be greatly reduced. And the UFO community in the late 80s was torn about this. What had happened to Paul Benowitz, right? Was this a case of a person who had been a little bit nutty and had gone too far? Or was this a story, a sort of like Lovecraftian nightmare story where a person discovers the truth? And is unable to handle it or even possibly committed to get them out of the way and discredit them. 1989, Bill Moore, the UFOologist who had spent so much time working with Benefits, went to the yearly MUFON convention and in front of a crowd of hundreds of UFO believers, researchers, and editors, he confessed that he had been an agent working 
for the U.S. intelligence community. Yes, he told the crowd, he had deliberately withheld information from certain researchers. He had reported on their thinking and activities to his contacts in the intelligence world. He had visited Paul Benowitz on at least four occasions, talked to him many times, and reported on him. And he had even passed deliberately misleading information on to his friends and colleagues. Moore's speech ran nearly two hours. It had to be stopped several times by MUFON's Arizona State Director in order to restore order. People were screaming. People were crying. One researcher stood up and started yelling, where did you get that crap from, Bill? Another person shouted, I'm going to get a fire hose and ran out the door, but never returned. One prominent editor broke down in tears, crying on the floor. Moore was trying to come clean and tell people what he thought he now understood. He had been duped co-opted, and pulled into a U.S. intelligence psychological operation, in part for the purpose of manipulating Paul Benowitz into believing that he had been tracking UFOs. But they could not handle it. Now, when the news broke, and some years later, even Agent Doty would start to feel guilty about his role, he would go to Paul Benowitz, who still considered him a friend, even after his psychiatric hospitalizations, when uh, Benowitz's son said to him, Dad, you know, Agent Doty is not your friend. Benowitz said, yes, he is. When Doty came to Benowitz and said, you know, Paul, a lot of that stuff I told you was disinformation. It was my job. I was ordered to lie to you. Benowitz simply replied, no, it wasn't. Now, Rick Doty has gone on to not only give his own confessional to the UFO community about he, how he misled Benowitz, but also to insist that even though he misled Benowitz, he still thinks UFOs are real and the government is covering them up. But let's leave that aside for now. Um, I think the interesting question is, uh, why would the NSA, CIA, Air Force Intelligence go to all this trouble to build a disinformation nexus around a man who was patriotic, a military contractor, trying to do what he thought was his duty, and, and do this for the better part of a decade, even giving the man $75,000 of taxpayer money. Oh, and the fake computer they gave him, and the countless hours that NSA agents had to spend, you know, up late at night chatting with him on their custom-built communication system? Talk about your catfishing there, right? Why? Why do all this? So this is the story that researchers have subsequently put together, talking to Bill Moore and Richard Doherty, though you have to keep in mind that these are people who are now proven liars. But what, what, what they're telling us now, Benowitz, with his electronic genius, his penchant for snooping around, he'd actually stumbled onto a number of secret government programs. Remember the Manzano complex and the strange lights? Those would later be linked to Project Starfire, a cutting-edge program to create optical images of Soviet satellites. Apparently, it was a super-secret program that enabled scientists for the first time to take pictures of satellites as they flew over the U.S., and those pictures would be close-up resolution. Like, you could actually just see the satellite like you were standing in a room with it, where previously, you know, we'd see satellites as just little dots, right, in the sky that would move from horizon to horizon. And you might know that's a Soviet satellite flying overhead, but you didn't know anything in particular about it. Well, this program allowed them to image these things close up. It involved a powerful laser. 
The laser was so powerful that even though it was invisible, it would show up on film. That was one of the things that contributed to uh, Benowitz's believing that he was on to something. How about those ra- intercepted radio messages? Well, it turns out in the early days, Benowitz had stumbled onto at least two different intelligence programs involving coded radio signals. So he was intercepting actual NSA experimental programs taking place on Kirtland Air Force Base. So according to later in life, Agent Doty and others, there was a disinformation campaign put into place in part because Paul Benowitz was stumbling onto top secret U.S. programs. They felt it was a matter of national security that not only did they need to mislead him, but they needed to make sure that nobody took him seriously. And furthermore, they decided they would integrate Benowitz and the UFO researcher who they'd already turned, Bill Moore, sort of put them together since they had more on the take and they could easily bug uh, Benowitz's office and tap his phones because, you know, he works right next to a military base. That would allow them to keep track of who was interested in UFOs. Who came to Benowitz and said, oh, hey, like, could I see your photos? And then instead of talking about aliens, started asking a lot of very technically sophisticated questions about his equipment and what he had found, right? They figured some of those people would turn out to be Soviet agents who themselves saw through what Benowitz could not. So not only were they catfishing Benowitz, but they were also using Benowitz as bait to lure in Soviet agents while simultaneously discrediting him and the entire UFO community. Right, The UFO community had actually splintered in the 80s. By 1989, when Bill Moore went to confess to MUFON in Arizona, there was a parallel conference being held down the street where all the really crazy stuff happened. People came to talk about, you know, government conspiracies, underground alien bases, all the kinds of stuff that they had fed to Benowitz and Moore and others over the years. Reading um, The Mirage Men by Mark Pilkington and watching the documentary that accompanies the book, I really got the impression there's a case to be made that much of the U.S. UFO mythology has been straight up invented by counterintelligence, Air Force, CIA, NSA intelligence officers. And, you know, my first reaction as I was working on this episode was anger that I thought they really took advantage of this Benowitz guy. They really um, spread a lot of lies and they've hurt a lot of people. These intelligence agents with their manipulative trickery. But as I did more research on this and I read a whole nother book. Uh, Greg Pope's book, uh, Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, national security and the creation of a modern UFO myth. My indignation gave way to a sense that there's like a willful naivety among some people in the UFO community. For example, here's a clip from a Showtime documentary that was produced just last year in which Richard Doty gives the scoop on what's really going on with aliens. In 1947, two craft crashed into Mexico. They collided, and one crashed near Corona, New Mexico, which is public record. The second craft crashed way out west of Magdalena, New Mexico, and that wasn't found until two years later. But the one that crashed in Corona, they also found a live alien. That live alien was named Eva, and he was transported to, it was a a male, was transported to Los Alamos, where he, he lived out his life. He died in 1952. 
But during that time period that he was with us, he told us a plethora of information about what they have learned about the universe and what their technology is. Their technology is probably uh, estimated to be about 50,000 years ahead of us. That is retired Air Force Intelligence Officer Rick Doty, the same guy who was behind the Benowitz hoax, making up a story, right? And he's on a Showtime documentary, and the chevron at the bottom of the screen just says, Rick Doty, retired Air Force officer. Now, you know, in the book Mirage Men, Mark Pilkington, the documentarian from Britain, he says he spent like a week with Rick Doty at a UFO convention, and they were like going out to drinks and having dinner, and he said, I really think Doty believes this stuff. Like, yeah, he lied to Benowitz as part of his job, but he also really believes in it. That's fine. That's fine. But it's crazy that UFO, a UFO documentary, a Showtime documentary, would just kind of run Rick Doty. Like, you see that. You would see a clip like that. And you're just like, oh, well, he's a he's a military guy telling us his, his background. But we know, we know it's public record that this guy was a professional liar in the 80s. Like, why, why would you trust anything he has to say now? This Rick Doty has his hands on everything. So if you guys remember, a couple of years ago, I did a whole episode about American Cosmic by Dr. Diana Pasolka. And in that book, she waxes poetic about the experience of going to this site in the New Mexican desert. And she says the people were taking her to find UFO parts, and they had her pause and say, do you recognize this place? And she said, it does look familiar. And then they go, this place where these UFO parts are scattered appeared in an episode of the X-Files. And there was a government insider who must have worked on the X-Files production team. Yes, in his book, Greg Pope says that Agent Rick Doty worked As a consultant on The X-Files from 1994 to 1996, he actually wrote the screenplay for an episode, The Blessing Way, which aired September 22nd, 1999. I went and I watched part of that episode, and it it takes place in New Mexico. It's about um, Navajo people encountering extraterrestrials in the New Mexican desert. They find a crashed spaceship in the ground. Rick Doty literally wrote that episode of The X-Files. And I don't know how many people know this, but one of the characters in... Pasolka's book, uh, one of the people that she does sort of a case study on in the so-called Invisible College, his name is James. He has now been outed as Stanford professor Gary Nolan, who is a wide-eyed UFO believer himself, or so he appears. But I've been wondering whether, you know, maybe Gary Nolan is in on this whole intelligence community. Maybe he's part of the disinformation program that we're up against today. So I would really encourage everybody... I don't think that you need to be like, oh, aliens aren't real or UFOs aren't interesting. But we need to have a higher level of wariness about things that are possibly coming out of the government. The United States government has a history of using UFOs to cover up their secret military projects and to mess with the heads of people who are into this stuff. So just kind of do what we always ask you to do at the end of every episode. Till next time, stay strange, but stay sane.